changing things up a little bit as we do now and then. I'm Tom D'Antoni, and on this episode of OMN's Coffee Shop Conversations, I should tell you right here at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason, I'll be talking with Sam Mowry about a special kind of theater, live radio theater. Say what? You'll find out. If Sam's voice sounds familiar, it's because you've heard him on many, many commercials. But it's radio drama that's his greatest love. His Willamette Radio Workshop has a bunch of shows coming up soon, including, especially for Halloween, on Halloween, Macbeth. So let's meet Sam. Sam, welcome to the cupping room. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Right here at North at uh, World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason, where we do these things. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Fabulous food. Love the coffee. <laughs> and and, and I, uh, listen, you have a new record out. What? Uh, <laughs> now you don't have a new record out. It's, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm a spoken word artist. Oh, there you go. Uh, it's, uh, Ken Nordeen. <laughs> Ken, oh, um, Ken Nordeen, boy. Um, but uh, yeah, we do this uh, occasionally. We'll have uh, we'll have a writer or we'll have some. But this is the first time we've had a a theater person or a radio. And certainly the first time we've had a radio theater theater person. Yes. Well, we're we're kind of few and far between. Yeah. Though our num- our numbers are growing. Um, <laughs> I, we started doing the Willamette Radio Workshop uh, 17 years ago, and uh, in 2001, and. For the longest time, we were the only radio theater company in town, mm-hmm. and now we find that uh, there are tons of them. There's uh, Tesla uh, City Stories that's over at the uh, old church now, mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, those are the stories that drive themselves, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> in a way, they do. Yes, um, yeah. It's uh, that's but that's just a huge uptick and and podcasts mm-hmm. are the the new currency of the day every yes. day a yes. ton of podcasts right. though i recently found out that uh because i have several friends doing podcasts and i'm like well this must be going really well for you because uh, we hear so much about podcasts and they're like <laughs> well what most people consider podcasts are one or two people talking kind of like what we're doing correct and that's a podcast yes and drama podcasts mm-hmm. are of still a very small portion of that yeah but um, but it, I know of you know hundreds of them across the country and across mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. and uh, that's actually my favorite thing about the whole process. Because I look at podcasts as radio on demand. Yeah, now, I'm an old loved yeah. radio since I was a little kid. My dad loved radio and had records of The Shadow and Gunsmoke and stuff mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we used to listen to. And and I've always lived in big cities, and there was always one station. That on Sunday afternoons would play old time radio, yeah, and I would yeah. just be glued uh, to the radio. <laughs> and um, uh, the, the the podcasting really lets you have the the tools of production are in the hands of the workers. Correct. It's a very uh, democratic socialist way of working. Yes. And, um, unfortunately, and it's very dynamic. Unfortunately, you don't have a sales department. Yes. <laughs> to True. go out and. Uh, well, a friend of mine told me that the like the the best selling podcast, money making of all time, was a guy who once a month would sit down with a bottle of scotch, and drink the bottle of scotch and just ramble on about everything that was just stream of consciousness. But he would drink the whole bottle of scotch, and it took like three hours, and he was just drunk as a lord by the end of it. And he would charge a buck a podcast, and he had like three million listeners. What? And so he was making three million dollars a month, and I was like. Wow. <laughs> of Jeez. course, the way he drank, I don't think he's going to live long to enjoy it. But uh, but it, that's the thing. It's to find the, find the thing we were talking earlier. I said, 
uh, podcast, the, the internet lets you find the thousand people in the world who are interested in the same thing you are, yeah. and they can be anywhere. Yeah. And for us with radio drama, it's pretty much anywhere they speak English. Right. They have us, and we have a lot of uh, people who listen to us online from the, the Netherlands and uh -huh. Sweden and Iceland um, and uh, Africa and India. Uh, audio drama's big there. And of course, in Great Britain and Canada, it's still a going concern. They still do people it. They do it, they make money, they're yeah. paid, they're yeah. professionals. I have a friend who used to live here who moved back there, Stephanie Yost, and she uh, was an actress when I was starting out, and she's actually in London doing voices. She does dark shadows, um, <laughs> these kind of things. I'm so jealous of her. <laughs> so what, what, is, what is the Wyoming Radio Workshop? Well, the Wyoming Radio Workshop is a... It's a uh, audio drama group. Mm -hmm. uh, we just started when we uh, kind of met up at the library one time. A group of people, and it turned out that I knew half the people in the group. Mm -hmm. And we didn't care for really the, the, the thing that somebody was selling in terms of uh, getting together to make a show. But we all decided, you know, we could do that. And it was basically, well... You know, let's get a barn. Let's put it together and see. When we first did it, we didn't even record them. We just did them live in the style of old-time radio. Ah. And now, over the years, we've been, uh, we got uh, to partner up with Nick Minimans. Mm -hmm. uh, we've performed at the Kennedy School, the Grand Lodge, uh, uh, the White Eagle, uh, uh, McMinniman's uh, uh, Hotel Oregon. We do the UFO Festival mm -hmm. every year. We've been doing that for, you know, over a decade. And um, when we just do original and recreations of classic uh, radio uh, dramas, and we uh, do them with live foley, uh, mm -hmm. live actors, live music, whenever foley we can. Foley sound effects. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I fully set up sound effects. David Ian and Dino D'Elfwield mm -hmm. are our, our resident foley people. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and that's, and people love that. They love to yeah. see, you know... Somebody knocking their shoes together to walk up to a toy door on the table and open the door and close it and you know, lock it. Uh, it's, they, they're just fascinated by it. And we do usually between three to seven shows a year. Uh, we were doing a bunch of shows up at the Keegan's Theater in Vancouver. Uh -huh. And we did four shows a year up there, and then we did four shows here in town. And now we're just staying in town and we're actually working with a lot of new groups and some of the younger people, which is how we came into the uh, <clears throat> be working with Jason Harder mm -hmm. and the podcast live mm -hmm. uh, project that we're doing at the Twilight Theater mm -hmm. uh, on uh, November second and third. I believe mm -hmm. that. Is. What is that? It is. It's um, it's three podcasts. Mm -hmm. that are going to be produced live with a live cast and live sound effects. Mm -hmm. and, um, and Jason was just kind of like, he's been working with uh, WRW and with Tesla City Stories. And he was like, you know, I really, I love these podcasts and I'd love to see them actually happen. Yeah. yeah. And so he reached out to um, uh, The Diarist and uh, Exoplanetary and, uh, and me, and said, you guys came to do this. And we were like, yeah, yeah. everybody was very excited uh, for uh, the diarist and Exoplanetary. It's their first time doing their show live. Normally, they record it in a no. studio. What, 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 are, are those productions or are those production companies? They're podcasts. Okay, but what they're, I mean... Yeah, they're, they're, they're productions. 
Okay. And okay. Um, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to. We're not going to see another another show by the diarist. Right. The diarist is a show. Of right. The stuff. diarist okay. is the name of the show. Gotcha. And um, and yeah, so it's. Uh, they were very excited to do this. I mean, we do live shows all the time, so mm-hmm. we're we're still excited, but yeah. different way. And um, so, what is your part in this? My part in this is I'm producing and acting in a piece called Turnstiles. Mm-hmm. It's written by Carol Oberholzer, mm-hmm. who is a local writer who was uh, had moved to New York, gone off to the big bad city, and um, and right after nine eleven. Um, she was greatly disturbed because she was there when it happened. And, and as a writer, uh, this was her way of dealing with it, was to, you know, just kind of explore this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of little post-apocalyptic two guys meet up in a subway tunnel and one of them is really lost and the other one is really trying to maintain that everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's a short little piece, but uh, we won the uh, Mark Time Award for Best Science Fiction Audio Production of the Year, uh-huh. um, and uh, uh, it's it's really really amazing. We have a beautiful sound design by Mark Rose, who's a Emmy-winning sound designer living here in Portland, uh-huh. and uh, he's worked with WRW and he's worked with everybody. And um, so, now what is what does that mean? What does he do? Sound designer? Well, with for, 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 the, for this piece. Right. For this piece, he, um, he designed it. There's, there's some music, mm-hmm. and it's a, but this is really an all-encompassing sound bed mm-hmm. of when you, when you really listen to it, you hear things happening down the tube. Um, mm. You hear mm. strange things dropping around, and they're different, different kind of... I refer to them as hums and thrums. <laughs> you know, you're you're talking along, and it's got mm-hmm. a, and then so you'll, and you don't even notice it, yeah. but it changes the 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 dynamic. Uh-huh. He's a brilliant uh, man at being able to use sound to reinforce emotion and plot, uh-huh. and I'm so lucky to ever get to work with him because wow. he's just. Brilliant. So only two actors. In only this two piece? actors. Well, and you're David, one of them. I'm one of them. David yeah. Loftus is the other. Mm-hmm. He's a, a regular Portland actor who's been working all around town. He's been on Grimm. He's been on mm-hmm. Leverage. Um, he does a lot of uh, uh, live theater here in town. Mm-hmm. And I've known him for years, and he's done a lot of work with us. He's very good. Mm-hmm. And the other shows, I wish I had a cast list, but they have. You know, we have so many talented people involved yeah. in this. Yeah project is going to be pretty amazing. And, and, and it's before a live audience. Yeah, yeah. Have you been to the, the no. Twilight Theater? No. Need to go. It's beautiful. It's an 88-seat theater. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just off uh, Lombard mm-hmm. um, in the Braddock building. And I'd always driven by that and said, man, that would be a great place for a theater. And then I found <laughs> out there's one right around the corner. <laughs> and it's a beautiful room, great sound, high mm-hmm. ceilings, ah. um, and uh, it, it's very comfortable. I'm, a, I'm an old fat guy. And so when I go see anything, me being comfortable in the place is like rule one. Right. Where can I sit? How am I going to get up? They've got a bar. It's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a, a great night. Okay. Like two nights. How is it different for you to do these things before an audience than it is 
if you're just record if you if you were just if it was just radio right right how is that different for you or is it different well i mean it, it is different because i've done i started out in live theater mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um you know there's just that connection with an audience the energy you get when you do a show in front of an audience and you you i mean they're there and when we do radio drama a lot of times you'll see people close their eyes. People are like, oh, people are falling asleep. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. What uh, they're doing is we, what I like to refer to it as, is actively listening. Yeah. Because if you listen and you listen to the sound effects and you listen to how people move their voices around in the space, mm-hmm. we're creating a world. Yeah. And the people who close their eyes, they're with us. Mm-hmm. They're in our world and they don't want images to distract them. Mm-hmm. For the modern audience, we actually now have projections. We call it our Magic Lantern show. Huh. And Joe Medina from After Hell Productions uh-huh. does these for us. He's amazing. He's doing the live podcast show. And what it does is help to focus the uh, audience. Because another thing we started to notice was during the show, people started reaching for their phones. Checking oh. for time, the checking yeah. the mail, you know, it's just like yeah, you leave yeah. a person alone for 10 minutes, right. they're going to be reaching for their phone. Right. And we found that with the projections, people did that less. Oh, that's because good. Because they had the visual stimulation, uh-huh. and we make sure that it's more an atmosphere thing mm-hmm. and not taking over your imagination. It's just kind of helping you focus into a time or a place or a world or a situation and, uh, you know, not pictures of people actually doing the thing. Yeah. But just like when we did the island of Dr. Moreau, there are a lot of jungle shots. <laughs> so we're in a darker jungle here. Yeah, yeah. We're in a clearing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to fill it with all the characters we're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a, you know, and the live audience, it's just great. We did uh, Livewire the first time they were on TV. Mm-hmm. We did uh, a thing for... Uh, uh, Wordstock, <clears throat> and we did uh, the seven-minute Doctor Moreau. They they called me up and said, "I help start the show," and they called me up and said, "Now you're a radio group. You know, you guys do words and and books and stuff. Could, yeah. could you do something for our Wordstock?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure we can do that." And I said, "Okay, great. You have seven minutes." <laughs> and so I went to my wife Cindy McGeehan, who is uh, our dramaturg and a brilliant writer. And I said, okay, so we can, like, look around and find, you know, a chunk of something to do. Or we can just write uh-huh. the best seven minutes of right. audio drama we can. Right. And so we took The Island of Dr. Moreau and we took the last two chapters and we do it in seven minutes. <laughs> and it's on YouTube. You should check it yeah, out sometime. Yeah, and it's yeah, really one of the yeah. best things we ever did. We had five guys doing Foley. We had... Uh, you know, it was, it was these giant drums on stage, and it was just fascinating. But when we finished, it was, we finished, and we took our bow, and we came up, and there is just this wave of people applauding, and they just stood. Wow. It was like this standing ovation for what had just happened, and we were just completely, you know, stunned. Yeah. But it's amazing when it works, when you connect with your audience. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an amazing thing, and having them there. Do you find yourself having to compensate for that when there's not an audience? Yes, very much so. And that's one of the hard things in studio. Um, I'm really lucky we get a lot of uh, professional, because we pay nothing, or next to nothing. Yeah. Whenever we have a little money, we always give it to the actors. Mm-hmm. But it's not changing anybody's life. Right. Uh, you know, maybe buy me a dinner, a couple of beers. Um, 
but we um, uh, so getting to work with professional voice actors, they know how to lift the script off the page, right? So it doesn't sound like they're reading, right? Um, and they also can create that focus and maintain it. Um, but with the stage actors, a lot of times uh, when we're in the studio, we'll go through things, and usually, like the second or third time, I have to start saying, "Okay, now." Imagine where you are, and we have to get in this whole kind of, mm-hmm. you have to imagine where everything is. I find a live audience, for me as a voice actor, yeah. makes me focus on mm-hmm. my character and what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can't get lost in all these people just staring at me. Mm-hmm. And it really helps me to focus on creating the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, in a studio, the pressure's not there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, if I don't do it right, well, we'll just do it again. Yeah, there's a thing about reading, uh, you know, having a script and reading mm-hmm. um, that I, I think it's, I don't think it's something that you learn. I think it's a talent because I, I was able to immediately work off a teleprompter like that mm-hmm. with hardly any training. It wasn't training. Certainly had, no. didn't have any training. Um, uh, but uh, I, I just think it's something either you, either, you either you either have or you don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I I agree with you, but there is the ability to learn. Well, practice um, helps. Yeah, yeah. practice <laughs> and, and having people give me feedback and right. and um, and that's uh, you know that's it, it, it's true. But there are people who, when I just started doing voiceover work after doing theater forever, um, they come to me and ah, God, that's that's uh, that's uh, two seconds long. Yeah, it needs to be a second and a half shorter. Right, and I'm like. The hell's a second? Used to doing a three-hour play, a second, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and they said, "Well, give it another run." So yeah. I ran through it again, and the client turned to the engineer and said, uh, "What was that?" He said, "It was a second and a half shorter." I was just kind of like, just nailed it, and I was just like, and it was just, I, I'm one of those people. The engineer I talked to after, yeah. some people just have the clock in their head. Yes, they know when it's going, they know true. where they're going to be, they very can true. see that. Yep. And so I've been lucky that way. Yeah. But I've worked with a lot of people who don't have that. And yeah. so, um, you know, if somebody's willing to work and wants to, and mm-hmm. that's the other thing. This is, this is the, the modern age. Everybody, it seems, wants to be a voice actor. Right. They want to do cartoons. They want to do yes. American Dad. They want to do... Yes. And, you know, and now, I mean, you're sitting here with a computer and an interface and mm-hmm. a couple of microphones mm-hmm. that when I started out in the business, that would have cost you $5,000. Right. <laughs> and now you're kind of like, oh, we can get all this stuff for yeah. 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, the, and it's better than it was because the computers are faster and the, the, all the material is, you know, these little boxes, little MRAO interface. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I mean, they used to have a giant fifty thousand dollar thing sure. that did the same thing right. and did it in eight bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny though. About um, uh, I don't know how much you've worked off a teleprompter, but I was a news producer for a while, and we had a we had a, a, a news anchor who was 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 really dumb, <laughs> and someone had someone had misspelled her name on the prompter. And she read her name as it was on the prompter. <laughs> Hello, I'm, her name is Toby Marsh. And she goes, Hello, I, and, 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 the, and the prompter said, Narsh, instead of Marsh. And she goes, Good evening, I'm Toby Narsh. <laughs> oh, <my God>. You know. <laughs> well, and, you know, that, 
It's, it's, it's one of the things that's like I always tell people when we're working on things. I'm like, write it down on your script. It's all right there. Um, <laughs> the time they'll forget something and just read what's written and you'll be fine. Did I see that you're having a Halloween show? Yes. Oh, we have a great Halloween show coming up. My wife talked me into it. I've done it live three times mm-hmm. in regular stage things. And it's actually what we did over at the Hart Theater, which mm-hmm. is now the Mission Theater. Yep. It's the show that closed the theater. <laughs> never, got to, never got to do it. Um, uh, we're doing Macbeth. Ah. William Shakespeare's Macbeth. Yeah. We have cut it down to an hour. <laughs> uh, what did you cut? <laughs> just nothing important. Uh, we have the witches. We have the bloodshed. You're we editing have the battles, Shakespeare? Are you kidding me? We have the language. It's uh, got the poetry uh, we cut out basically the Scottish politics <laughs> and we cut out Shakespeare kissing up to King James okay there um, you go. and right. we've gone with just the uh, well because I mean it is about witches and the supernatural yeah. and yeah. murder and bloodshed and right. treason and, mm-hmm. and and that's what we focus on and Cindy McGeehan my wife who did the uh, adaptation uh-huh. uh you know, she's brilliant. She's won like three national awards for her audio mm-hmm. drama stuff. She's had things published in the Saturday Evening Post. Yeah. She's the real deal. Right now, she's a third grade teacher and she's <laughs> a great teacher. Yeah. But she so wanted to do this because we love Shakespeare. And who do, you, who do you play in this? I play Macbeth in oh, this. Oh, okay. I kind of and that's the other thing. I can be a fat old guy and play Macbeth. <laughs> because when I was a skinny young guy, I was able to play Macbeth. <laughs> jumping off things and swinging yeah. swords around. These days where, you know, a little long in the tooth. I no longer have a face for radio. I have a body for radio. Uh, <laughs> that makes two of us. Yeah. But it's the beauty of it. And yeah. it's... It's going to be great. And we do two shows on Halloween Day at McMinniman's Kennedy School, uh-huh. one at 4.30 and one at 6. Uh-huh. And uh, Mark Rose is doing the sound design for us. And it's just going to be a wild evening of Shakespeare and Halloween and fun. And uh, uh, I hope you can come see it because it's going to be great. When you do these, are you working from scripts or memory? Yes, from scripts. Ah, good. That, well, yeah, and that's yeah. the other beauty. It's the, it's the beauty of radio drama yeah. is that you can do that. And mm-hmm. that allows me to get really good actors mm-hmm. because they don't have to put in three months Right. Of memorizing lines. Right, right, um, right. And for, as you know, when you're a, when you, when you can do it, when you can read yeah. things and they just come to life, right. being able to just play off the script is the most freeing thing in the world. Absolutely. Because you don't have to, you're right. not worried whether you're going to get it right. Yeah. You know it's just all right there. Yeah, and yeah. to see these actors just fly with the Shakespeare when they don't have to be worrying about, mm-hmm. am I getting everything just so? Mm-hmm. And I think for fans of Halloween, it's going to be great. For people who love Shakespeare, it's going to be great. And for people who always thought that, ah, you know, people say Shakespeare's great, but I don't, I don't get it. It's too long and boring. I don't know what they're saying. This is going to be the Shakespeare that shows you why people love Shakespeare. What's your favorite part of Macbeth? My favorite part of Macbeth yeah. What's is actually... Right before the, the end for him, uh-huh. after, right before his wife dies, yeah. um, and that whole section where he... Because my take on this, and I've done it three times, and it's always a different mm-hmm. interpretation, but now my take on it is, is he wants to fulfill his wife's ambition to uh, be queen. Uh, so he'll have to be king for that. And he's fine, because he's a warrior. Yeah. Go out and just do that, and you know, yeah. that can happen. Yeah. But then when it's brought up that he... His children won't be king. Then suddenly, being a father myself, I'm kind of like, suddenly it all becomes about 
the future. Yeah. And then all this happens. He's there. She's gone crazy because she wanted to be queen, and he's ruined it because he's now forget this. He's only concerned about the future, and and he realizes that this ambition, that this this fear that has been driving him has left him with none of the stuff Mm -hmm. that you want when you're older you know respect and honor and friends and and just all the stuff that he always had all his life Mm -hmm. and now he doesn't have it everyone's like oh it's King Macbeth and he's he's lost it all Uh and he doesn't know what to do Uh and you know, and that's that's my favorite part of the, that's the end. Yeah, yeah, when it's yeah. uh, when they when he says, "Well, despair your charm," I was not born of woman. He doesn't run. He doesn't. He throws down his shield and says, "Bring it on!" <laughs> and it's kind of like, and that's when he reverts to who he was at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. If you get a chance, check out the Patrick Stewart Macbeth. <laughs> it's on Netflix right now. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Uh-huh. The, the mm-hmm. design of it is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to like Picard as Macbeth. <laughs> right. He really won me over. Right. It was great. Right, right. So how did, when did you get start, started acting? Um, well, when I came to, uh, when I was a kid, my brother was an actor. Mm-hmm. My sister was an actor in New York. And I did school plays with my brother because we always moved around. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he was doing a school play, I had to do a school play too. Uh, but it was never my thing. I was an artist. And when I came out here to Portland, I went to Portland State because I got here too late to get into the Northwest College of Art. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, you'll get in here, show them my portfolio, but, you know, it's too late. So just go to PSU, take some life drawing classes, take mm-hmm. some prerequisites, it'll be great. I went there, I got a work-study job at Mother's Deli, and um, I ran into a bunch of actors because there was a really long lunch line. <laughs> and I would work the cash register, and I would do Monty Python bits with people in the and in the line, and the theater people would start acting back, and we'd do dialects and all the different things. And, mm-hmm. and then there was a play that needed a lot of men, and a couple of my regulars said, "Hey, mm-hmm. we need guys who can do a British accent. Yeah. Come and do this." And I did, and I went in, and I had a great time, and met you know half a dozen lifelong friends. In that first show, wow. and um, and just a bunch of great older people who, mm-hmm. uh, when I asked them afterwards why they kind of took me under their wing, they were like, "You asked good questions," mm-hmm. so we didn't mind answering them, and they really filled me with a love of theater and performing, and really gave me a good uh, uh, introduction to it, and um, it was one of those things where I was like. I never looked back. I was just kind of like, this is what I want to do. I wasn't worried about making money. I waited <laughs> tables like every actor does. Yeah. And I didn't care. That's what I was going to do. Later, I got into doing voiceover yeah. work and yeah. could stop waiting tables, which is good because my knees can't handle it. <laughs> right. uh, but it's, um, yeah. And I, uh, so I'd always been around it, but I was not going to be the, you know, I was always like, no, 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 no. The rest of my family are the neurotic show-offs. I'm, I'm, I'm the artist. I'm the loner over in the corner with my pencils. Uh-huh. Um, and then it turns out that I'm the one who's, who's doing it. Um, though my sister, you know, she did Vanities off-Broadway and was written for her. Um, yeah. And, uh, and my brother did a lot of film work when he graduated from NYU Film School. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
now he's a minister, now my sister's a minister, <laughs> and I'm trying really hard not to become a minister. Because <laughs> um, my father was a minister, my grandfather oh, was a minister. Wow. What kind of was my dad used to always say is a very fine line between theater and religion. So What I denomination would that be? Presbyterian. Ah. They are. Ah. Yep. Yep, um, Midwest uh, uh -huh. Kansas people. You don't have to be loud when you're a Presbyterian. Well, I was like, when I was uh, starting out as an actor, it was kind of like, I don't know if I'm good, I don't know if yeah. I'm powerful, uh -huh. but I'm loud. Well, it helps. Yeah. It does help. It always did. Yeah. And I love Shakespeare. Uh -huh. and. Uh, always had from when I was a kid. My, my parents were great about having spoken word records. We had these Cadman records. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Dylan Thomas records. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and they had Shakespeare records, uh, uh, John Gielgud and mm -hmm. Ralph Richardson. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been listening to them for, for ages. And when I first started, um, when I moved here and I volunteered at KBU, I was almost kind of like, What? Why did I do that? There was nothing that I couldn't think of anything beforehand. And then I realized all these old records I had, all these old radio records, mm -hmm. were my dad's. Yeah. And I was carrying them around. Yeah. So evidently, yeah. I did have this connection with you radio did. without yeah. even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I got out here and got you know, physically involved with it, I just thought it was amazing. Now, are you old enough to remember when, 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 when radio drama was a regular staple? On, on, no, I'm, I'm 58. And, you're a mere child. Yes. Yeah. But there, there, were, there were still some on. Because yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I love dearly the uh, uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater, E.G. Yeah. E. Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, patented uh, creaking door uh -huh. trademark. Mm -hmm. It's just the most amazing thing. I, I am so I'm so old. <laughs> how, how old are you, Tom? How old are you, Mike? Uh, I remember when uh, when the radio was still transitioning to television, mm -hmm. and you would have a radio a radio drama and the television version of it, mm -hmm. like generally with cop shows yeah. and detective shows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Dragnet was a long-running yeah, radio yeah, series yeah. before it became a right. TV series. The Lone Ranger. Mm -hmm. was, I mean, I remember, I remember those on radio, oh, yeah. and it was, it was fascinating to me. I don't know why I never got into radio drama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, because at about that time, it was starting to go away. And a lot True. of the stuff, you know, I, I heard it growing up, but it was always, you know, old-time radio hour. Yeah. And New York, WNYC used to, on the, every afternoon they ran The Shadow, mm -hmm. The Third Man, and Gunsmoke mm -hmm. in a row. Yeah. And I would, yeah. you know, get home from school and sit there and pretend to do my homework while I <laughs> listened to Orson Welles be The Shadow <laughs> and The Third Man. Uh, and then what is it, William Cannon is... Uh, oh, William uh, Cannon. Oh, my God. Just amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's the kind of thing my, my dad told me that I found out that everybody's, everybody's grandfather asked everybody's dad the same question, do you, which do you like better, radio or TV? Yeah. And they said, oh, we like radio better because the pictures are better. <laughs> because it's what they imagined in their mind. Right, right. And I, my dad would say, you know, we, you know... Seven o'clock, and we come and sit down. We lie down on the rug, <laughs> and Dad would fire up the old Philco, <laughs> and you know we'd listen to Fibber McGee and Molly and yeah. and Amos yeah. and Andy and yeah. Plum and Abner and yeah. a Shadow and and <laughs> Little Orphan Annie and all those and um, and my Dad loved a Christmas story. Gene Shepard oh, was yeah. just his. It yeah. was like when we saw this. 
he just this wave of Gene Shepard nostalgia <laughs> came out. And then I found on the Internet Database mm-hmm. Archives, mm-hmm. Uh, they have all these old Gene Shepard radio broadcasts. Yeah. And he did a late night radio show. Yes, and York. you listen to some of these, mm-hmm. and he's just telling stories. And you see right. the bits and pieces of Christmas story, mm-hmm. but just in his free-flowing mm-hmm. way of he's just... Somebody asked him about his childhood, and he's just telling the story. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. he, he, that movie so captures the joy of being a little kid mm-hmm. listening to radio. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. And, uh, and then the other thing we mentioned was Ken Nordine, which my dad was a big fan of. Or Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was an advertising guy. Right. And he's still working today. He's alive. I'm a Facebook friend with really? him. Really? Yes. Every year I get to wish him a happy birthday and he writes back, thanks, Sam. And I'm like, I'm done. I can, I can die a happy man. Well, you and I are Facebook friends with another giant, um, uh, uh, Phil Proctor. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Who is coming to town? Um, Again? I'm also doing um, War of the Worlds with Fake Radio. Ah. It's an L.A. group uh-huh. that does um, old-time radio recreations. Uh-huh. Normally they do kind of an improv thing. And, um, yeah. Uh, David Koff, who runs that, has moved to Portland, uh-huh. and he started doing it here. And this year we're doing more of the worlds, uh-huh. and he has brought—he's bringing up Phil Proctor. That's great. And we're doing three shows: two uh-huh. at the uh, Bag and Baggage out in Hillsboro, uh-huh. and one at the Alberta Rose. I got to interview Phil about, about two years ago. Oh, nice! It was fabulous. It was, it was like a dream come true. What? What was it about? Anything in particular? Just uh, he was doing that podcast, not that, that that video podcast with a, with the, the, with that other guy. I can okay. name I don't remember, but guy had a, had a stroke or something. Yeah. But uh, it was wonderful. Oh my god! I'm Dude. so excited because I, I when mean, we did the uh, when we got the Mark Time Award, uh, Mark I got Time to meet, got to meet uh, <laughs> uh, David Osman. Yeah. Who was? Yeah. And um, and we actually did. I did a little skit with him at the award ceremony uh-huh. and now I will have worked with all the living uh, Fireside uh, Theater guys yeah, which yeah, is another yeah. take me now oh lord I'm, yeah, really. I'm ready to go I still have I, I have a friend uh, back in Baltimore I talk, talk to uh, you know, every, at least every week mm. and we can still have whole conversations of doing of nothing but Fireside Theater lines oh. <laughs> well, my friend Chris Porter, who is in our Macbeth, uh, mm-hmm. and is doing Prospero right now at the steep and thorny way to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's how it is hidden me. Yeah. We just, yeah. My, my, my poor, long-suffering wife has listened to more <laughs> Fireside. She's like, I don't know that I've ever actually heard them, but I've heard you guys do them. That's funny. So I feel like that's I've funny. heard it. Well, that's great, because Phil's a very funny guy. Oh, his, 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 daughter, his daughter lives in Lake Oswego. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And his, yeah. uh, his yeah. wife is coming up, Melinda. Oh, yeah. Oh, and good. she's going to be performing as well. That's good. So, yeah. uh, and she's, she's excellent, so this is gonna be, that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And our podcast show, you know, if you've, if you've ever been one, if you're a podcast person, you're listening to this show, you are. This is a great way to kind of see behind uh-huh. The, the screen, get it, mm-hmm. take the earbuds out of your ears and come on over and actually see the diarist, which is this kind of hip madmen type thing, mm-hmm. except with a focusing on a woman character, and then exoplanetary, which is a uh, an amazing kind of uh, space. I want to say space opera, but it's not. It's not overblown. It's a. It's mm-hmm. a real kind of slice of, mm-hmm. of what future world could be, which I find really fascinating. 
or or um, frightening. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It all depends on your point of view. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, listen. Thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. This well, has thank been you really very much, fun Mike. And, and um, you know, good luck with all these productions. And, thank you. And, thank you. Uh, all the information will be right there on the page. I appreciate that. Everybody, check Do it out. Do you have a little slice of? audio from one of the productions that I might be able to... Sure, sure, I can find okay. something to get. Alright, so you send that, and then, after we say goodbye here, mm-hmm. that's what you'll hear. Okay? <laughs> so here you go, folks. Enjoy this sample. Excuse me? Yes? Do you mind? Why? May I oh, sit um, down? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, Would you mind hmm? moving your briefcase? There's no room oh, on, on sure. the bench. Uh, sure, there you go. Thank you. Wow. They've really let this place go. Hmm. Budget cuts, huh? <laughs> That was some meteor shower. I saw that. That was something, wasn't it? Yes. How about those Yankees? Hmm? The Yankees? Ah, you're a Yankees fan. You like the Yankees. Sure. So what do you think? Of the Yankees? You think they'll go all the way this year? Under the circumstances, probably not. No. Oh, right. Yankees fan? No. No, um, not really. Ah. What did she say? Yeah, I have no idea. They really have let this place go. I don't like you. Is that wrong? Well... I mean, I I tried to like you. I really did. Well, that was very good of you. Do I know you? I've never laid eyes on you before in my life. I'm sorry. For what? I know it's not the done thing. Oh, I think it's done. I think it's done all the time. Because I don't. What? Like you. I mean it. I, I hate your guts. No, no, no. I, I get it. You don't mind? I'll let you in on a little secret. What's that? I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> 